following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alan Gilman from All Saints Lutheran Church with the message for December the 13th, 2020. This is the third week in Advent as we get ready for the Christmas season. I guess we're in the Christmas season, and it's a different Christmas season indeed. And last week, we finished our series in the Gospel of Mark. Almost took us a whole year. Uh, if you missed any of that, you can go to allsaintslutheran.ca forward slash Mark. That's pretty easy, and you could get the whole series there. Uh, so um, I'm doing a special message uh, for the theme that we're following this week for the third week of, of Advent. I know not everybody follows the exact same themes for these four weeks prior to uh, Christmas Day. Uh, but this week we're, we're looking at the theme of love. And I've entitled our sermon this week, True Love. And um, I'm looking at a love section and call it love chapter because it's a little bit of the end of one chapter into the next chapter. But this is a, a section of scripture that's not normally thought of as a of a uh, as a love section, but I will be explaining as we go along. And so we are looking at Romans chapter 12 verse 9 through chapter 13 and verse 14. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who bless you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your, in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in, this, in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. 
owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word. And we thank you that it really is a light to our path, that we would know how to live life in these days. We look to you that you would help us to understand your word and that you'd help us by the power of your spirit in the name of your son to live out that which you are calling us to do at this time. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that's interesting about this section of scripture is that especially verses 1 to 7 of chapter 13 is thought of as a key passage teaching us to submit to government authority. It sounds absolute. Paul is writing to the believers in Rome, submit to the governing authorities. They are God's ministers. That sounds, that's it. But the, the thing is, this passage, Romans 13, 1 through 7, doesn't exist on its own. The Bible is not a collection of disconnected sayings and, and passages that we read a section and, it, and, it's, and it's complete in and of itself. We need to understand what Paul is writing here within the context of what he's saying in the larger section and in the whole book. The book of Romans, as many of you know, is such a marvelous exposition of the love and goodness and grace of God for all people. And just to give a, a, a little more context of it, chapters 1 through 8 is that main explanation of, of everyone's need of God and how on our own we cannot um, become God's children. We need Him to forgive us our sins and to, and to make us His children through faith. Well, that's chapters 1 through 8. Then 9 through 11, Paul looks at the growing tension between Jews and non-Jewish Jewish and non-Jewish believers in the community of Rome. There was a growing antagonism between those two groups. And Paul was explaining how we are all one in the Messiah. Then starting in uh, chapter 12 through chapter 15, Paul gets really practical about how to live out true godly community. Chapter 16 is is mainly greetings and his farewell, uh, closing off the letter. And so now looking at our section, uh, chapter 12, 9 through the end of chapter 13, uh, what we have here is Paul deals with essential attitudes and actions with regard to how to live within the broader society. And so the the smaller section about obeying governmental authorities is one part of a, of a bigger whole with, re, with how we're supposed to live our lives 
in in the society. What we often don't notice that might have been more clear because I, I read that whole section is that the context of what Paul says about obeying the government is love. We see uh, at in 12 verse 9, the, the first verse uh, of our section, he says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Afterwards, when he gets into the, the governmental portion, that's followed by in verse 8, he says, or writes, owe no one to Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So sandwiched between Paul's writing about love is this section on submit to the government. And the way he does this is rather ingenious. We forget how careful the writers of scripture had to be with regard to saying anything about government. Now, as I said, Paul's very ingenious in how he does this. Uh, The Roman government was a very oppressive government that demanded absolute uh, obedience to it. It was more than that because Caesar was actually seen as God. They called him Lord. And so to to preach the gospel proclaiming Jesus is Lord is to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. I'm going to get more into the subversive nature of the gospel message in a moment because it's very relative to this and properly understand uh, what Paul means when he talks about submitting to governmental authorities. Um, the, the better way to understand this whole section came to me um, as I was reading a, a book that's called Lest Innocent Blood Be Shed, The Story of the Village of Le Chambon and How Goodness Happened There. This book was given to me by a friend in the uh, back, I think it was in March, in the early days of of COVID restriction, and I've I've always been fascinated by how was it that a minority of that there was a minority of believers during the Second World War who resisted the the evil of the, of the Nazi regime and worked in to to help people, even though it had become against the law to help certain people, especially the Jewish people. And being from Jewish background ourselves, uh, my wife and I, uh, of course, it's of, of special interest. And and we know how in under the Nazi regime, so many people who we would consider true believers in Jesus either ignored the Nazi evil went along with it or even compromised. And and so I've asked the question, like, what what is it about certain people? What was it about certain people that they were able to, to truly serve God in that day, make a difference in many people's lives against such a, a controlling uh, evil at the time? And so this book documents the story of a Protestant town it was a, a small town in the south of France um, called Le Chambot and how the the Christians in that town hid Jewish people against the 
the the government rule at that time. And so I found a helpful summary of this story on the site of Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, and they have a little feature on the the main leadership couple, Pastor Andre Trokme and his wife Magda. And so I'm going to read that to you to get a bit of understanding not only of their remarkable story, but how it fits in uh, with what I'm trying to share in this message. Pastor Andre Trocme was the spiritual leader of the Protestant congregation in the village of Le Chambeau sur Lignon in the department of Haute-Loire in southeastern France. I hope I get all the French names correct. During the war, the village and its environment became a haven for Jews fleeing the Nazis and their French collaborators. When the deport Deportations began in France in 1942. Trocme urged his congregation to give shelter to the people of the Bible. The village and its outlying areas were quickly filled with hundreds of Jews. Some found permanent shelter in the hilly region of Le Chambon. Others were given temporary asylum until they were able to escape across the border, mostly to Switzerland. Despite the danger, Jews were housed with local townspeople and farmers in public institutions and at children's homes. With the help of the inhabitants, some Jews were escorted on the dangerous treks to the Swiss border. The entire community banded together to rescue Jews, viewing it as their Christian obligation. Remember, this was a, this was quite the exception for a, a small town to uh, collectively uh, do this in saving Jewish people. The people of Le Chambeau acted under their conviction that it was their duty to help their neighbors in need, as they called it, it's in quotes, neighbors in need. Many factors joined together to create this generous spirit, the history of Protestant persecution as a religious minority in Catholic France, empathy for Jews as the people of the Old Testament, and a shared biblical heritage, and last but not least, the powerful leadership and example of the pastor and his wife, André and Magda Trocme. The Vichy authorities, Vichy? The Vichy authorities suspected what was taking place. It was, after all, impossible to keep such a wide-scale rescue to keep such wide-scale rescue activities secret over such an extended period of time. The authorities demanded that the pastor cease his activities. His response was clear-cut, quote, These people came here for help and for shelter. I am their shepherd. A shepherd does not forsake his flock. I do not know what a Jew is. I know only human beings. Neither pressure from the authorities, end quote, neither pressure from the authorities nor searches by security agents diminished the resolve of the truck maze and their team on their team. On 15th, on the 15th of August, 1942, truck vehemently articulated his opinion to Georges de Marin, a minister in the Vichy government on an official visit to the small town. Several days later, Jean gendarme moved into Le Chambeau to purge the town of its illegal residents. Two weeks later, on the 30th of August, the suspense climaxed with rumors of an arrest warrant issued against the minister. In his overflowing church, Trocme urged his congregants to, quote, do the will of God, not of man, not of men, end of quote, and stress the importance of fulfilling the commandment in Deuteronomy 19, 2 through 10, concerning the entitlement of the persecuted to shelter. There were no arrests that day, and several days later, the gendarmes were withdrawn from town, their mission an utter failure. In February 1943, Trocme and two colleagues, Reverend Edouard Thais, and teacher Roger Darkisac were arrested and interned at the Saint-Paul-de-Ajean camp near Limoges. Trocme was held for five weeks while the camp commander tried to pressure him to sign a commitment to obey all government orders. The minister refused to succumb, 
but after his release, he was forced to go underground. Even it, even his absence, however, did not deter the residents of Le Chambeau. They were united in fulfilling a supreme moral command. They continued, I'm going to cry, <clears throat> they continued Pastor Truck May's legacy by welcoming persecuted Jews into their homes, enabling many of them to live in relative calm until the end of the war. So as, as I'm reading the book, um, this uh, visit by this official Georges Lamiron is, is documented. And um, one of the things that happened was a sermon was given in, in the local church building on this passage, on Romans 13. And I remember when I was reading that thinking, oh, that's interesting, Romans 13, that's the old, that's submit to government authorities passage but the the book shows how when you actually read the context that the underlying message um or the overarching message however best to say it is yes obey government authorities but greater than that we must remember that the greatest law of laws is love your neighbor as yourself so if government commands its people to do something contrary to God's command to love your neighbor, you must obey God rather than man. And so if government policy demands we contravene God's word, we must obey God, not government. Now we do so respectfully, should do so respectfully, humbly and wisely, but we must obey God, not Government. This goes along with what we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. It's very similar. The 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 might call it a balance. You might think of it as a tension, but let's see what he says. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, where whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to pray those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now you'd think that it's, that's crystal clear. Just do whatever the government says. And he's calling the emperor as supreme. He continues, verse 16, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So in this subtle but clear way, while Peter is saying, honor the emperor, uh, obey government authority, but fear God. God must come first. He understands this personally as we see he was part of, of, of this next thing in Acts 4. This would be earlier in Peter's life. Soon after the Lord rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, and they're they're preaching to the 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 people in Jerusalem, and they get in trouble with the local ruling council. Now this was not the Roman authorities; these were the Jewish authorities. But what Paul is saying about obeying your leaders, your authorities, and so on would apply here. And so Acts 4:18 through 20. So they called them as the council called Peter and John and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
they were told by the authorities not to. But it was, but they were still going to. In fact, they, they go back with the other disciples and they pray a prayer asking God for boldness to speak his word and that would God that God would demonstrate his power through signs and wonders. Basically, they were saying, get us into more trouble. If 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 preaching the gospel means trouble, then let it be so. Now, some people might say, well, okay, so we obey the governing authorities, but when it comes to talking about Jesus, that's where we draw the line. But what does it mean to talk about Jesus? Is it just saying Jesus is our Savior, Jesus died for sins, rose from the dead, believe in him and be saved? That's that's it? That's People often think of it that way, but the gospel is more than that. The gospel is the proclamation of Jesus as King. And that's why I call the gospel the subversive gospel, that it 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 undermines the way government often thinks of itself as the supreme leader and controller of all of life as it was in the roman empire in the, in that day so the early believers were saying yes the emperor is king but he's a king under the great king the supreme king of all and notice that even Paul uses the word supreme, but he's he's he. It's not his way to 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 say the emperor's over God. He they're preaching God as first in everything and everything else underneath that. And so when the governing authorities clash with God's word, judge yourself. Is it right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God? You must judge. And so the gospel message has always been a threat to governments who see themselves as supreme over all and and believe that they know everything that's right and that everybody has to do exactly what the government says. See, in the Western tradition over the past, um, I don't know if it's called it 100 years, 200 years, um, religion specifically... Christianity and Judaism has been at the core of the morality of our societies and has and has worked through the message of the gospel to actually uh, subjugate government to Almighty God. Um, and it's that's even in, in, in enshrined in Canadian law that that we are under the supremacy of God and the rule of law. And no one is over that. Government is not over that. And yet our government is taking, is it's as if they're sitting today in God's throne. So the place of government, well, actually the place of, of Judeo-Christian faith and way of life um, has eroded in our culture over the past decades. So in the name of pluralism, diversity, tolerance, justice, the Judeo-Christian ethic has been supplanted by government control. In the late 1960s, uh, when then Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau defended, you know, I've tried to go fast and I stumble over my words, I'm sorry. So let's try it again. In the late 1960s, when then Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau defended his far-reaching changes to the criminal code, he said, quote, 
There's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. What's done in private between adults doesn't concern the criminal code, end quote. So when he said that, few, if any, envisioned that it wouldn't be long before the government would pass legislation dictating a new moral code, or should I say an immoral code, immoral code, to govern our lives in this country. One of the latest examples to that is Bill C-6. They're seeking to yet again amend the, the, the criminal code, this time to make what's called conversion therapy illegal in Canada. And uh, conversion therapy is thought of any attempt to change um, uh, someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. Now, this law, as it's currently written, is written, it's written very, very badly. And it's, it's doubtful whether it'll pass exactly as written. But there is legitimate concern that if this law passes, it's going to make it illegal for people, um, not just professional counselors, psychologists, and others, um, it'll make it illegal to influence people of um, to change their sexual orientation or gender identity, even if they ask for help. So what's happened? This is another further um, uh, intrusion into the moral lives of Canadians. It's an intrusion into our ability to have convictions, to share our opinions, and to think that even people who want help from a therapist about unwanted sexual desires will be forbidden by law, and uh, that the therapist would be threatened with with um, jail time and fines for helping somebody overcome unwanted sexual desires. Um, so what's happening here is our government, as they've been doing for a long time now, is intruding into a realm that God speaks very clearly to. That they're at, And we know that they're, the government has, over time and in recent years, have manipulated words to mean things that they don't even mean. And, and forcing people with threat of, of prosecution to, we better only say what the government tells us we should say. Well, this, this is so beyond uh, legitimate governance according to Scripture. And we're obliged before God to obey Him when the law of the land contravenes the ways of God. Now, I've been a uh, part of our associations. Um, uh, every week, I've been having a, a Zoom call with the other pastors in our association, and we've been discussing BC6 and um, encouraging one another to write our MPs and call and, and, and make our voices known that changes should be made to this particular bill. Now, um, this term conversion therapy actually originally uh, applied to coercive, dangerous, and uh, hurtful practices designed to change people's sexual orientation. And most people, like myself, are against any kind of coercive and truly damaging techniques. And 
apparently this sort of thing is happening in Canada and it should stop. Now, I think there's other legislation already on the books that uh, well equips um, our authorities to, to deal with such damaging um, uh, techniques, but they're using that terminology to make it illegal to actually influence people along scriptural lines in terms of scriptural identity, scriptural sexuality. And, and it's um, anyway, so we've been discussing this and, and some of the things that we should we should do it, it, to try to make this a better bill. There's also the hope that the um, that there's an exemption under uh, parts of the of uh, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Free- Freedoms that would allow for um, religious exemptions, freedom of religion. But we've already seen in Canada how uh, the Supreme Court has ruled saying that certain things uh, that uh, limits on 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 certain things should be allowed limits on speech limits on, on on certain things in spite of people claiming that they're practicing their their religious liberty but i'm concerned that we think that we could find safety if we could only get these laws right or we could be granted a religious exemption for our uh, peculiar convictions why should we have to hide behind uh, um, exemptions of religious liberty when it comes to saying what is right and doing what is right as god's representatives under the gospel and i'm not just talking about uh Christian leaders, and about all believers, we have the obligation to work on behalf of what's best for our fellow human beings. Just like uh, Pastor Chuck May and and his congregation, the other people of Le Chambon, they they saw that there was something evil happening in their land, and they needed to resist that evil. They saw that there were people that were in great danger. The, the Jews of, of France and of Europe, and they saw that they were obligated under God's command to love our neighbor as ourself, to ignore the, the government, uh, the government uh, rules and what the government directives, and to do what was right and what was best. I've been very concerned about what's been coming down from government authorities with regard to um, COVID-19. Not that I'm not concerned about how this illness could affect especially the most vulnerable among us, but what's been happening is that there are many people that are saying, because the government says this or that, we must do it, just because the government says. Now, when the government is dictating good law even if we don't personally like it, even when we don't find it convenient, Romans 13, 1 through 7 tells us we should be respectful, we should be honorable, and we should do everything we can to, to go along with what the government dictates until they cross the line. Now, I have to admit, I don't know where that line is. One of the reasons I don't know where that line is is because there have been so many rules and, and contradictory regulations and, and all sorts of exceptions that 
that are driving a lot of people crazy just trying to understand what is good what is right what is what is what we must do all the time everywhere what things are allowed what the exceptions are it's very very confusing but my concern is is what's happening to us that the government is taking the place of god we're not to live by thus saith the government we need to live by thus saith the Lord. Now, that includes reasonably obeying government authority. Like There are people that they're really bothered by COVID-19 restrictions because it's bothering them. It's inconveniencing them. So the store says to wear a mask. If it's not unhealthy for you to wear a mask, wear the mask. There's so many of, the, of these regulations that, you know, just do them. But... I'm concerned that many of us are just being puppets and robots, and we're not thinking these things through. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's how it's translated in the New King James Version. He's given us a sp- not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. If we are being driven by fear, that is not the Spirit of God. And whether that fear is fear of an illness or fear of what the government might do to us, that's not of God. We respect our government leaders and we do what they say out of a spirit of love, a spirit of, 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 of loving God and loving our neighbor. But if and when our government dictates that we must do something that actually hurts our neighbor, we should think twice. And we need to seek God for wisdom and how to humbly and lovingly obey God rather than obey men. Just before I go, I am not telling people to just ignore whatever the government's saying. We need to know clearly what God is calling us to do and then do it. We might have to suffer the consequences, but whether it's issues over COVID or issues over things like Bill C-6 dictating to us um, or basically telling us that we cannot teach biblical sexuality and biblical gender identity, we have to, we have to teach what the Bible teaches and lead people in the good ways of God, because that is the only kind of true love. Let's pray. Our Father, when I I come before these people, whether live or in a recording like this, I know I'm simply making a feeble attempt to try to express what I believe that you are showing me in your word. Father, my prayer is for myself and everyone who can hear my voice that we would hear you. We need to hear you now like never before as things are so confusing and so troubling and as our government continues to intrude upon a realm that belongs to you and not to them. Have mercy upon our government leaders. Bring humility. Bring Um, bring your love to them. But Father, 
when they contravene your word, please show us how to take a stand even for their sake, Lord, and especially in our democratic society that we have where our governments are accountable to the people. We thank you that we have a voice. Show us how to use our voice at this time and then show us how to obey you rather than men when it's time to do so. Please, Lord, help us before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. Like always, you have any questions or comments, please email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Until next time, this is Pastor Alan Gilman for All Saints Lutheran Church. God bless you and your families. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.